on this episode of the Morning Star Podcast. And you'd think because they're going in to Canaan, which is filled with evil people and idolatry and wickedness and sexual perversion and all kinds of awful, awful stuff, plus some pretty strong warriors, you would think that Moses would call his military men or he might call judges in Israel, or he might call the leaders of the tribes of Israel. But no, he doesn't do any of that. He calls the parents. He calls the parents, and he gives them instruction as to how to raise their children. Welcome to the Morning Star Podcast, where we engage in meaningful conversations that display God's handiwork and encourage you to live a Jesus-first life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Morning Star Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Mayhew, and for this episode, we did something a little special. Pastor John, Pastor Scott, and I got together, and on Sunday morning of April 30th for the Sunday services, we recorded a live podcast episode where we discussed family, what it means to disciple your kids, and what it looks like for even those who don't have kids of their own to be a part of that giving back within the church. We hope you enjoy the episode. Make sure to still subscribe on your podcast listening platform of choice so that you get notified of future releases. We did have a little bit of audio episode uh, issues at the beginning, so please bear with us. We get them figured out. And thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, church family. It is good to see you all and uh, as well, our friends online. As you can see, we're doing something a little different today. We are actually doing more of a Q&A podcast format, but we are teaching the Word of God. We have a text that we're excited about and excited to share with you, and I'm just so thankful that we are a Word-based church. Everything we do is on the foundation of, uh, of God's Word, and that's our hope, that's our life. That's our foundation for life, and so we're going to be joined uh, this morning, Pastor John and I, by Jacob, who is doing such an amazing job with our Morningstar podcasts, and uh, yes, yes, and I'm just thankful for the way that he is able to um, probe and ask questions of many people that are part of our church family that... uh, you would delight in getting to know a little better and the information that's conveyed on that. So I'm going to turn it to Jacob because he's going to kind of MC this this morning as we look at the scriptures together. Good morning, everyone. Um, it's great to see you all. As uh, Pastor Scott said, thank you. Um, I'm Jacob Mayhew. I host the Morning Star podcast. Um, just a little bit about it. Um, there's like, look around. There's a lot of people here. And on a Sunday morning, there's almost no chance you can have a conversation with everyone. But in every single one of us, God is working in our lives. He's doing cool things. There's great stories. There's stories of redemption, of people persevering through suffering. There's stories of people learning about uh, just important topics. And that's kind of the hope and the vision of the Morning Star podcast is that we get to have these conversations uh, with various members of our congregation about how God has worked in their lives and just really share the cool stories of what God does. 
Um, recently, we just uh, released an episode uh, talking to uh, Kate Snigariv and Candy Escalante about um, giving. They both work in our office. And before that, we had an episode with Tom Casey talking about his life and how he's found Jesus throughout that. And this Wednesday, we have another one coming out with uh, Greg Bolton. Uh, talking about how God has worked through his life. Um, so you can find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on our Church Center app even. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just really excited to be able to do this with you, Scott, and with you, John. Um, and today we get to talk about uh, family, and we kind of have a first that we want to focus on. Um, the section is Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, I believe. So, John, you want to go ahead and uh, read that for us and take us away? Yeah, I'd love to. And Jacob, thanks for all the work you do to make these podcasts happen. He's a lay leader. He volunteers his time. He works so hard. Can we give him another round of applause? Because we are just so thankful for you and all you do. So our text today, we are in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you spent time in the church, you've heard this at different variations and at different times, and it's a familiar passage and I am excited for us to unpack this in a unique way. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. And as you can see, it's on their screens as well. Uh, God's word says this. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. And now here comes the part that's just so well known in the church, and you will see why and hear why as we start in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Awesome. Thanks so much, John. That's just such a powerful passage. Um, Whenever I get to a passage, I kind of like to unpack the context. So like where it is in scripture, what's going on. So do you guys kind of want to fill us in a little bit on what's happening in Deuteronomy here? What's happening at the time of this reading at the passage? Yeah, uh, it's so important to establish the context. The name of this book of the Bible is Deuteronomy, which literally means the second law. Moses gave God's special people, Israel, his will by giving them his law. The Ten Commandments, we're familiar with that, plus many other statutes. And uh, he did this when he formed them together as a nation. And then he gave them a test. He took them into the wilderness, and they failed the test. They failed miserably. And everyone 20 years old and older ended up dying in the desert with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. And now the sons and daughters of that 
unbelieving generation are on the east side of the Jordan River in Moab, and they're looking across the river into the land that God had promised their fathers hundreds of years back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so there there must have been great excitement. We are going to cross that river, and we can see right across that river looking west that it is the land that God has promised us. But Moses knows from what their parents did when he was trying to lead them that the children were just as capable of ignoring God's word and not trusting God as they should. So he's giving them Deuteronomy, Deutero and Nomos, the second law. So this is like, okay, we're going around again. We're, we're camped here on the east of the river. We're about to go in. And so Moses is not going to cross. He's going to die without going into the land. And so he has a very important meeting. And you'd think because they're going in to Canaan, which is filled with evil people and idolatry and wickedness and sexual perversion and all kinds of awful, awful stuff, plus some pretty strong warriors, you would think that Moses would call his military men, or he might call judges in Israel, or he might call the leaders of the tribes of Israel. But no, he doesn't do any of that. He calls the parents. He calls the parents, and he gives them instruction as to how to raise their children. Because I think in Moses' eyes, the greatest danger was not the military battles they would face. God would have their back in that regard. The greatest danger was those children going into this culture and being absorbed in the culture, the wicked culture in which they were entering. So it it is paramount. Moses is giving them some of the most important words imaginable to prepare for entry into the promised land. Hear, O Israel, hear. That word hear is almost a synonym for obey in Hebrew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall worship him with all your heart and soul and strength. And I think that that's, John, I think you've got some well, yeah, Thought. I think that captures it so well. And think of this as like the locker room speech before the big game, the the brave heart freedom before the big battle, right? Like this is a, a speech and a piece of a speech that Moses is giving his people for the, for the big day to enter into the land. And just the context and the contrast of failure that is in this backdrop. I mean, the very first part of Deuteronomy chapter one, if you look at verse two, talks about how there's this uh, this journey that should have taken 11 days. Think of that, 11 days to get from up, up into Kadesh Barnea to get ready to go into the land. And now it is the 40th year of the first day of the 11th month. So talk about a detour. I mean, I remember one time coming from Portland down south and there was a snowstorm and it took me six and a half hours to get from PDX to Wilsonville. And that was just 
horrific. It was terrible. And yet that's not even comparable to what Israel went through on their detour. And now they're ready for the land. Kind of, I'm kind of picturing like the Rocky training montage or, you know, he's out in the woods, like lifting, chopping firewood and all that stuff. This is like Israel's equivalent yeah. of all that right before he goes into the big fight. Um, my, so out of curiosity, my Bible says the greatest command in the title here, or it's just the translation puts the section header there. Um, so obviously this passage, like given the context, this is the right about to go into the promised land um, and all this. This is a very significant passage to some degree. Um, like, why is that? What is some of the significance behind this? Well, when you love the Lord with your whole being, um, take that word that he uses here with all your heart. Your, your heart is really the control center of your life. It's where your mind, your emotions, your will, uh, your intellect, everything is, it's, it's like the control center. And when you put God into place, and um, that word soul is often used to represent the entire life. In, in, in the scriptures, heart and soul, and there are a lot of different terms that are used that there's a crossover with them. It's hard even for Bible scholars to know exactly what this specifically refers to. But think of it this way. I'm going into this land into a foreign culture where there is absolutely no regard for the one true God. And what is most important? It's that every fiber of my being is committed to God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I think we miss a lot when we don't understand that that word here is as I said earlier, it's almost synonymous with obey. Jesus said uh, to his disciples, he said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And then he said, you will be my friend if you obey my commands. So the love is, is not a feeling as much as it is an action. And so the Lord is speaking through Moses and saying, when you come into this land, it's not how you feel about me that matters most. It's that you do what I've told you to do. That's, that's the commitment of your whole being. So that's the root of everything, I think, uh, Jacob. We, we fail a lot. I fail a lot in following God's commands. But that's God's love language. People that want to do his wills. That, that, I think that's why this is really a, super important. I th- John, do you have anything you want to add to that? Like- yeah, I just think anytime we can find something that helps frame what is so detailed, it's just such a perfect overview of the law. And, and I think people really resonate with that. And for the Jews, this was known as the Shema. And this was part of their daily prayers twi- twice a day, morning and night, they would say these words, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, um, with all your soul, with all your might, right? So uh, it just captures everything that needs to be captured. And 
clearly from the context and, and human experience, we know that as people, we need constant reminder and repetition, repetition of what's most important. And this verse captures that in such a powerful way. Yeah. And like, as you mentioned, talks about morning and night. And so, you know, my translation, when you lie down and when you get up, like it's a very, that's a very literal application and a very good one. Cause we do need those, especially me need those constant reminders. Right. Um, and honor of it kind of being family Sunday, we kind of wanted to focus on, um, a little bit on like verse seven in here, which, um, as my translation says, repeat them to your children talking about, uh, the commands that he, he just gave. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, um, which just kind of shows it's an instruction to parents and their kids. And I've heard like the term discipling your kids thrown around a little bit in the church and the Christian bubble um, and all the various things in that. Um, how does like that verse play in? What does discipling your kids even mean? What does that look like? Yeah. Let me start with the definition of discipleship. A lot of people get confused with that word. I, I don't remember where I read this. It's not original. So someone came up with a great definition of discipleship in my, in my way of thinking. Discipleship is, discipleship making is a post-conversion process in which we nurture people through feeding, protecting, encouraging, modeling, and training them to follow Jesus. I, I think that's, parents, what we need to do. And the one that we forget and that I forgot so many times with our four children is the modeling. We train them. We want them to know the Lord. But they're going to know the Lord best when they see us as parents, as grandparents, as guardians, actually living for Jesus really living for Jesus. And I think the, the, the verse there, seven, where it says when you're lying down, when you're walking by the road, it's, it's, it's just a way of saying that our children need to see the world interpreted through the lens of God. They need to be saturated with God's word. And that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen by gathering all, all our kiddies together and saying, no, I'm gonna give you a Bible lesson. The entire world is, is the Bible lesson. You're driving down the road, you're driving to soccer practice, and you see something just as Jesus did when he taught his disciples in a very agrarian world, he'd, he'd pick a, a, a tear, a weed out of the wheat, and he'd have a story to tell that related to his father, to his kingdom, to the things of God. And so I, I, I like to see that verse as an encouragement to us to, to find ways to bring God into the very warp and woof of every dimension of life. Our, our, our kids are in state schools hearing about history, hearing about geography, hearing about social studies, hearing about all kinds of subjects completely divorced from God. So they develop this mindset that there's the world and how it works and everything in it. 
And then I go to church, and it's just this little, this is the religious part here. And I think Moses is saying, no, every part is related to God. And I wished I'd have done a better job. John, you're so much younger. You can, you, Thank you. You can do, a, you can do a, a, a much better job. I would a lot of times try to get the kids together, and I'm the pastor, so I'm going to teach you. And, and I think I missed some opportunities here and there for all those things. Uh, that we experienced together as a family. We Denise was much better than I was at connecting all the dots in that regard, but it's it's important. And <laughs> shout out to Denise. John, do you have I feel like everyone's looking at me now. Yeah. yeah. It's John, be the perfect parent. Yeah, right? I think I think what we see in this context too is like, I mean, discipleship, training, education, we see that it is so much more than the formal. Like it's the informal. It's, I mean, it's every aspect of life. It's when you're driving in the car. It's when you're on the ball field. It's when you're working on a music lesson. I mean, it's all the time. And we see that with love the Lord your God with all of those, again, heart, soul, and and might and strength. And I think uh, it's just, it's every peace in every part that we have then the opportunity to uh, pass on, not just what we know, um, but just so much more to that, to our kids and, and not just our own children, but those that are around and, and watching and, and those sorts of things. So uh, yeah, I think the, the, where we start is we, it's with verse four, it's like we, if we're taking care of ourselves, loving the Lord, our God with everything we have, there's going to be a spillover to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that both of your answers like emphasize the very integrated whole life nature of this, which is very much resonates with the passage. There's not like a you know secular part of your life and then a sacred part of your life, but it's, it's a 24 seven, it's an all the time thing, even with your very family. And I think both of you kind of started to touch on this, but I kind of want to get into it a little more. Um, you're both parents. Um, Scott, you're a grandparent, congrats. Um, uh, but what are some things that have worked for you guys as parents? And then what are some things that haven't so much worked for y'all? Well, I touched on something that didn't always work, um, which is me getting all four kids together along with Denise and trying to preach to them. Um, Wait, that didn't work? <laughs> really? <laughs> no, it, it, it seldom wow. did because Scotty would come up with something funny and we would just erupt in laughter and my sermon was over at that point. So um, I think what worked for us was every child is a little different and relate to the things of the Lord differently. So we prayed a lot individually with them. Uh, and oftentimes when they went to bed, uh, I I purchased for Scotty um, a Dan and Louie tape series. It was of a straight man and his dummy, and they would travel to the storybook castle every night. And from Genesis all the way to Revelation, there were stories. Now, we think of Bible stories, you know, Jonah and the whale, Daniel and Lion's Den, Joseph and all those. Well, this this was just a, a stroke of genius there would be passages in the Bible that you wouldn't typically think of as stories, maybe a passage on, of the commandments or something. But 
they were turned into stories between this straight man and his dummy. So it was funny, it was enlightening, and it went all the way through the Bible. And I would hear him snickering in his room because he begged to have one of those tapes played every night. And he was absorbing scripture. So whenever we had a Bible quiz at, at the dinner table or something, he'd beat his sisters hands down. So they wanted to start listening to those, those tapes as well. But um, yeah, I think some of our best, best opportunities with our children was the one-on-one opportunities, just talking about the Lord, uh, connecting things. And when they were going through struggles, uh, depression or loneliness or lost a friend or needed to build new friends. And we sometimes had to encourage them. Hey, sadly, it's time to get some new friends. Some of the friends you have are rubbing off on you more than you're rubbing off on them with, with your commitment to Jesus. And th- those were hard, hard stages, but um, yeah, I, I would just encourage parents, grandparents, small group leaders, if, if the parents aren't believers, whoever is guiding a child in the way of Jesus, go for the long game. Go, go, go for consistency and the marathon, not trying to pack everything tightly into one little package that's going to pivot their lives. I think it's what we read a few minutes ago, it's weaving Jesus into every dimension of life. What do you do, John? Well, since I'm so much younger than you, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, our seasons are obviously much different. And uh, I can talk about, I feel like I just have way more failures than successes. I mean, there's so many so much pressure and so many things vying for our attention. And uh, my kids are eight, almost six and two. So that's the stage of the life that I, I am in. And it's busy and it's a lot. And so sometimes it can feel overwhelming uh, to, to be like, okay, one more thing. How do we do this? And I just want to encourage us in that stage of it's not one more thing. It's not you. It's not like a a build on and add another program to all the many programs that are going on in your life. It's a reframing to where everything else fits into that. And it's not something uh, new to build, but it's something to start with where then everything else flows out of. And you can rearrange things that you're already doing to become more intentional with the formation of your children and with discipleship there. So there's, again, so many failures that I, in me and in my parenting and in the discipling of my children, uh, the three things I try to keep mindful of and things like this are amazing reminders to me, uh, but I try to do um, what would be like intentional devotions. That's number one. Number two is um, recognizing God moments. And number three is celebrating spiritual growth. So uh, intentional devotions is having some sort of plan, uh, a routine to bring scripture into our family. So at bedtime, reading a storybook Bible, reading the Bible, that sort of thing. Recognizing God moments is God is at work all the time. And so trying to see in the, the natural ebb and flow of life where God shows up when he shows up and trying to bring him into 
into different things. So classic example, you hear sirens, you pray for the first responders, things like that. You see a rainbow, you remind of God's promise uh, and the covenants and, and that kind of thing. And then third, celebrating spiritual growth is make um, steps of faith a big deal and exciting baby dedications, baptisms. And I was just even thinking of this as I was thinking of today is we do let parents read letters to their young children on baby dedication Sunday. Savannah made that announcement a few minutes ago. And I was looking through a file about two or three weeks ago. And I saw my letter that my wife and I wrote to our daughter, Bella at baby dedication. And I was just thinking, man, I should think of how I want to give this to her someday or or make it into a frame, or I don't know, something like that. And now, have I done anything with that yet? No, I have not. And I, I want to, and I need to. But those are the three things I try to keep coming back to. Intentional devotions, uh, recognizing God moments, and celebrating spiritual growth. That's good. That's good. I'm, I'm like happy to be doing this because I don't have kids at this point. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, give me all the wisdom. Get all the tips in advance. Um, but one thing I'm kind of thinking of is that you both are pastors. So like you've been to seminary, right? Um, most of the people in the room, I mean, I could be wrong, aren't pastors, last I checked. Um, so what would you say to someone who maybe is like, well, I just don't really you know, know if I feel qualified to really teach my kids about Jesus, or I don't, I don't know the Bible that well, or like, I'm just not you know, or maybe they have some other personal hesitation. Uh, they feel like they're not equipped enough for this. Well, let me say this. My dad wasn't a pastor. He was a school teacher. And he did not leave my growth and development in Jesus to the church. He took responsibility for that. Um, a lot of people have this myth rolling around in their mind that parents raise children and then the church actually disciples them to follow Jesus. That's not accurate, according to what Moses is telling us here in this passage. Parents, you are qualified by virtue of being the parent. And I read something uh, years ago about a dad who was struggling with his teenage son and uh, the, the pastor, the speaker who had spoken at this conference was encouraging this, trying to encourage this father. And this father said, my son is just, you know, he's kind of turned away from spiritual things. And the speaker just began questioning him. And he found out that dad was there for every baseball game, for every batting practice, got another coach to tutor his son in baseball and everything. But everything was jobbed out to the church as far as the spiritual development. So psychologically, that, that poor young boy is thinking the most important thing, my dad, is I, I become a major league baseball player. And I think it's difficult for our children uh, when we take the most important thing in their development, which is to love God, everything within them, and and we transfer that some. Now, we need help. And I thank God for our student ministries. And I'm thinking of one young man who has been working with uh, young male students for years and years. And he's been like a surrogate father for a lot of those 
who don't have fathers that know Jesus. But uh, parents, you're just qualified as a consequence of being the parent or being the grandparent. Or if it's a believer and you want to take another young student, Denise and I have taken a number of the friends of our grandchildren that don't know Jesus under our arms and tried to love them and show them the love of Jesus. And a lot of our kids have been involved in sports. And so we want to spill over in, into other families uh, where maybe there aren't uh, believing parents. But I just want, I want to remind us, the state does not own your children. The schools don't own your children. The church doesn't own your children. And you might be surprised to know you don't own your children. Children are a heritage of the Lord. They're entrusted to us. And if I storm around the house, I'm the head of the house, and you belong to me, and you're going to behave the way I want you to behave, that, that's not the Jesus style at all. Uh, the one who's Lord of all must be servant of all. So parents, one, one, I think one practical thing you can do is show your children Jesus by serving them and letting them know that your joy in helping them through life is to serve them. And they'll get a really good picture of Jesus when, when your children know, even when you got to tell them some hard things, when they know that you are on their side, you're really on their side, even in the tough things you have to set, set down for them. If they know you're on their side, it's going to make a huge difference. And then you can learn, and you can come to us, and you can, we'll give you resources, things that you can, just like those tapes I told you about, that you can use to disciple your kids. I, I love about that answer is there's also like, you're talking about like the spillover and how we can serve our kids, but it's also, as you mentioned, like, you don't even have to have kids to spill over into the lives of other children. Like, so if you're an adult yeah. without children, if you're an empty nester or a grandparent or any other situation, even if you're like a high schooler, like this is an opportunity for all of us to just be in a part of the church family and to be taking care of the next generation and to be fulfilling uh, this passage in that way. Um, John, do you have like anything you would like to add for that? On, on what aspect? Yeah, on um, someone who doesn't feel like qualified, maybe. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I mean, on one, I mean, that, that can be such a powerful feeling. And I think that's amazing because on one hand, none of us are qualified. And without the Lord, like, who are we? We are, we are nothing. Without abiding in him, we don't bear fruit, right? So it... I think that reliance and dependence on the Holy Spirit is such a powerful place to start. And just what Scott was saying, we don't, it's not about being a know-it-all or knowing much. We all know so little and we just need the Lord. And um, he is not going to call us to disciple our children and then not give us the tools that we need to, to make that happen within a community and within the body of Christ. So I think just keep, keep going, right? Just, I mean, 
and try to lean into that feeling of inadequacy as being a positive. You know, Jacob, I, I, a verse came to my mind where Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and he reminds them, I think it's first, first Thessalonians 2 and verse 8. He said, when we were with you, we not only imparted to you the gospel, but our lives as well. And, you know, sometimes we think we have to have all the theological questions answered. But he was reminding these people, we gave you our lives. And I think that would be encouraging to me as a, as a parent to know, I, if I just... I live in such a way that my kids know I'm, I'm pouring out my life for them. The content of the gospel, maybe you're a brand new believer as a parent. May, maybe a lot of this is strange and new to you. I've, I've seen people, though, I'm sure you have too, John, that they just grow at warp speed once they come to faith in Jesus, and and their kids can grow right along with them. I don't know. Have you seen? Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Sometimes teaching is the best way to learn, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think back to like when I was a kid, I was like kind of an anxious kid, so I didn't really ask a lot of questions about this from like my dad or my mom. But I would have loved to just hear, even if it's an I don't know from them, yeah. like just hear their thoughts and learn from them because I respect them and I still respect them. I respect them as a kid and just have those conversations, even if they're not the nice, you know, pat answer or the most correct answer, just hearing like what they genuinely think and getting to know their hearts that way. Yeah. Um, so thank you, Scott. Thank you, John, so much um, for doing this. Thank you all for listening and trying out something new with us. Um, I'd also like to thank uh, Whitney, Tim and Cooper who do a lot for editing behind the scenes of the podcast and um, yeah, John, do you just want to close this in prayer real quick? Yeah, I'd love to. And just if I can close with this, if we, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but we didn't get an opportunity because of time to really unpack it. But man, th- this passage is not just for the parent with young kids in the home or teenagers. I mean, this is for all of us here, oh Israel. This is to the nation of Israel with the mindset of future generations. And so no matter where you are in life, if you have this mindfulness and awareness of not just children, but generations too that are to come, the sons and your son's sons, and it takes all of us for discipleship. And um, you have an important role to play. If you're sitting here and like, how does this even apply? My kids live on the other side of the country. I really like, <laughs> I don't have kids like, No, you have a part to play. And I am so incredibly thankful for the people that have spoken into my life. I mean, I'm so thankful for my dad and my mom, but I'm so thankful for mentors and discipleship leaders. And it it takes all of us for this to happen for the next generation to know and love Jesus. So you have a role to play. I wanted to close with that. Yeah, Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for everyone here. And as we think of our youth and our children, and we then think that they're going to grow up and be parents and have kids that will become children and youth, and that cycle just continues, we understand the great challenge that faces us to bring, to bring Jesus to each and every generation 
in a way that um, recommits and holds on to and clings to and um, becomes loyal and dedicated to God. And that's what we're after, another generation to come that loves and trusts you. And we ask that as a church, we would be thoughtful of this and intentional on this. Lord, um, thank you for our students, our children. We pray that they grow up to love and obey you. And we pray that their kids will grow up to love and obey you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Morning Star podcast. Join us again next time as we display God's handiwork and encourage you to live a Jesus first life.